Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, we've heard of commercial REITs, residential REITs, and industrial REITs, but how about a REIT that is focused on outlet malls in China specifically? Well, our guest for today is from Cecil REIT, which is an SGX listed REIT since March 2018, and also the first outlet REIT listed in Asia. The firm's portfolio consists of four outlets in China, namely in Chongqing, Kunming and Hefei. But why did the company focus on these tier two cities? And also, how does the REIT assess its reliance on China given the strict lockdowns we saw during the pandemic? Well, meanwhile, the company recently reported its Q1 results where distribution per unit rose 1.5% from the previous year. The firm attributed this to strong outlet sales boosted by pent-up consumer spending. But to what extent has tourism recovered to pre-pandemic levels? And is there a significant difference between the recovery of domestic and international travels? Well, for more, let's speak to Cecilia Tan, CEO of Cecil Reed. Cecilia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tian for having me. Great to have you on board. And before we get started, Cecilia, I understand Cecil Reed is this SGX-listed REIT that focuses on outlet malls, the first of such REITs to be listed in Asia, in fact. But let's hear from you. Take us through your business model and value proposition. Yeah, sure. I think Outlet is not unfamiliar to many people, right? Particularly uh, if you travel to the more developed Outlet industries like US, uh, UK and Japan. So Outlet as a sub-segment of retail has this differentiated uh, offering of uh, selling branded goods at a discount. So likewise for us, our outlets in China, that is our fundamental and core value proposition. And that in itself is a key differentiator for us in the very competitive retail scene in China. So Cecilia, let's talk a little bit more about industry positioning. What is the rationale behind focusing on outlet malls? And also you're setting your sights on Chinese tier 2 cities, uh, the likes of Chongqing, Hefei, Kunming. So why is this the case? To what extent has it got to do with the income levels of consumers in the various cities? Sure, I, I get that question a lot. I think it has to go back to the origins of how this business was born. Uh, it really has to start with our founders of Cecil Group. I mean, uh, you know, Vito Shi and his wife, they were really the uh, the propelling force behind how they transformed originally in, uh, they were distributors of uh, fast retailing uh, branded goods in Chongqing. In fact, they created their own brand in Chongqing, uh, which was a huge success. But when they were doing distribution, they, they actually saw one thing, that a lot of these branded uh, goods, they have excess inventory. And they were thinking, how do they deal with this, right? And at that point in time, actually, uh, in the outlet malls was actually uh, not a big industry in China. Outlet, uh, the first outlet started in China in 2002 in Beijing. So as they saw that, they saw an, actually an opportunity. They themselves being in tier two cities, they understood the aspirations of the middle class in tier two cities. So they decided to take that bold move, right? And bid up for a piece of land in 2005 in Chongqing, which first started the first outlet that they created, which is the Chongqing Liangjiang in 2005. So you can imagine it was actually very, very early days. Uh, and they, because of their faith and belief, uh, you know, this outlet has a lot of potential given, number one is, uh, you know, they were entering at a very early stage. It's the first mover advantage. Two, they understood the aspirations of the middle class consumers because this is the biggest segment 
and they saw the rising uh, consumption patterns. And so in 2008, boom, they started uh, the, the Liangjiang outlet. And, you know, it, it just started with a big hit because clearly that validated uh, their commercial uh, instinct in terms of how uh, the outlet uh, will meet the demand for, you know, uh, this middle class looking for value proposition in branded goods. And because of this, right, they continue to believe that the tier two cities where the middle class are mostly situated will be the fundamental consumer base for them. And from there, you know, uh, there's no stopping for the group. And then from there, they have grown now. They have 16 outlets under management in China. Wow. So, okay, let's stay on the topic of industry positioning, right, uh, Cecilia? Cecilia Reed differentiates itself from other retail malls also by integrating lifestyle experiences into your retail malls. For instance, well, very interesting here, you have strawberry farms, a driving school for kids, even an indoor zoo in some of your outlets. So tell us more about your positioning strategy aside from, you know, locating within tier two cities and etc. Uh, tell us more about that integration there. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tian this is very live for me. I just came back from a two-week trip to China. I saw the zoo myself. Right? I, uh, the strawberry farm, uh, I didn't go up there because strawberries are not in season. I think when the group started this uh, outlet mall's journey, they have in mind how do they stay in the leading front. Because the outlet, uh, in, in a very clinical format, right? it's just pure shopping. And I think... Over the years, consumers have become more discerning and uh, they are looking for beyond the shopping factor into experiential. Okay, that's number one. Number two is uh, because China is a very big market and every location has its own unique cultural elements that would shape also the behavior and preferences of the local consumers. So, uh, you know, we always propel for accessory is art and commerce combining uh, now, how did that come about? One of those things we try to do is a very holistic way. So architecturally, in the, in the hardware, you can see our outlets are not quite the village style that you typically see, say, in Japan or US, right? Uh, because uh, our founders have found that actually their village style is usually not very conducive for China's climate. Okay, so it has to be an indoor where people feel very comfortable. And truly, when I went to visit our outlet malls, I feel very comfortable because they're all indoor and very uh, well lit. The thing is, is, they all look different. They don't look the same more. So we want to make sure that each of them has a very unique sense of presence and beauty. So this is the art. And the other thing is, uh, coming back to this point about, we want to also make outlet becoming a lifestyle destination. Now, lifestyle, uh, there are many components to it. So one of those things we have come up is a, a commercial model is a super outlet. So in our outlet business, uh, we also have a scientific formula for you, which is A times 1 plus N times DT. Now, to summarize this, uh, A is art. So art is manifested in how we build and, you know, the hardware of the outlet structurally. 1 plus N, 1 is the basic outlet model, which is, you know, the basic category of just selling all these discounted goods, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the branded goods at discount. But beyond that, what can we offer more to our consumers to keep them coming back? And this is the N factor. And the N factor uh, is very broad. So like in, uh, in our Bishan, the smallest outlet, the N factor, because Bishan has a very beautiful outdoor setting because it's up a terrain, which I went to see, beautiful. So we took advantage of that and created 
the strawberry farm, which is the M factor. Uh, we also have the, the outdoor gaming arcade where people can come and do the shooting, you know, that kind. And, uh, and in Hervey, the M factor was the indoor zoo. It's very interesting. The indoor zoo is quite huge. And you see a lot of small animals, which I don't even see in our Singapore Zoo here. So this is, this is how we uh, try to differentiate also from the competition in China and also create uh, reasons for consumers to keep coming back and also as a family destination. Who would you consider to be the main patrons of your outlet malls then? Would it be domestic travellers or would it be international travellers? From the beginning, we never look at international travellers. Okay, From the beginning, it's always targeting local domestic consumers because these are more uh, sustainable. They are not so transient if you just rely on international uh, travellers. And I would say that we target uh, every consumer through the life cycle. So if you start from a family, right, the family will come bring their young children. So when the children get used to shopping at outlets, you know, they grow up shopping at outlets. And so we hope that, you know, then when they, when they get married and form their own family, eh, they will continue to bring their children. Uh, then they will grow older, right? And they become grandparents and they will continue to shop at outlets. So really, we are looking at the whole life cycle. You know, and because our outlets uh, offer so many elements, even interesting F&B, mm. there is something to do for everyone. Well, getting us to spend from young to uh, <laughs> to when we are 80 years old, 90 years old. Well, uh, let's uh, look at the wider business environment, Cecilia. Cecil Reed stands out among the crowd as the only pure play China outlet mall Reed in uh, Singapore. We've seen that tough COVID-19 measures mm. and restrictions that happened in China during the pandemic, which limited not just international, but also domestic travels. Do you think that Cecil Reed is putting all of his eggs in one basket, though? Okay, I, I think first of all is we need to understand that uh, c- coming from where the sponsors, they were uh, from China, then naturally they have a natural advantage, right? Because of their deep understanding and domain knowledge in this particular uh, segment of the retailing. Now, putting all eggs in one basket, I think if you look at it from a REIT perspective, uh, that would have been, you know, all our assets are in China and they're all in the same asset class, which is outlet. Now, uh, actually, yes and no, I would say that. Because as I mentioned earlier, outlets actually is still a very young industry. In fact, in 2002, they started. If I think about it, it's the same legacy uh, as the REIT sector in Singapore. So I still think the REIT sector is still very young. So from that perspective, outlet industry in China uh, still have a lot of potential because also we are seeing the um, middle class uh, growing very rapidly. In fact, uh, recently, I think Boston Consulting Group predicted that from 2022 to 2030, China middle upper class uh, will increase by over 80 million to account for 40% of the country's total population. So if you think about it, there is still a lot of room for growth as we continue to catch uh, those spending power. Now, uh, beyond China, uh, what can we look for, right? So the thing is, this, Cesarit has a, actually a global investment mandate. Our investment mandate is not confined to China. We actually have a global mandate to invest in the portfolio of um, retail outlet uh, malls, but with the initial focus in Asia. So clearly, I think we need to start from China, and this is where our core uh, strengths and uh, natural advantages be clearly i think also we learned from the COVID situation that it has been uh, very challenging for us uh one of those things that we have also learned is that how to um, become more resilient yeah even through tough times so i would say in the history of the groups uh 
in outlook. I think the COVID period must have been the toughest for them. But yet, uh, you can see from our results, we have stayed very resilient. And outlets have been known to be counter-cyclical to economic times. So even when now, uh, recently, China also reported, uh, you know, the economic uh, growth seems a little bit uncertain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually feel that uh, outlets will continue to have the strong element of uh, value proposition appeal to mm-hmm. consumers. So putting all eggs in one basket may not be that bad because of the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, we know how to ride through the tough times. But in the longer term, yes, I think given that our mandate is actually uh, Asia and global, we will eventually be looking for opportunities beyond China in time to come. Where will you be setting your sights on next? Yeah, if you look at the outlets industry, the more mature ones definitely are in Europe, right? In countries like uh, Italy, even uh, UK, uh, US. Nearer home in Asia, uh, I think that would be Japan. Um but at this point in time, our priority, our priority will be still to continue to grow uh, and scale up in China because of all those uh, earlier fun, uh, demographics and consumption trends patterns. As to when we will go out of China, I think that's not something that we want to cast in stone any timing. It's going to be driven by uh, really specific opportunities that we can see. As you know, right now, um, we, the WIT still has two role for assets from the sponsor. Uh, you know, these are two very large-scale assets. Huh? One is Xi'an and one in Guiyang. So actually, we have no lack of good uh, assets to buy uh, from our sponsor. And also, our sponsor continues to plant their presence in China through the asset like strategy. Uh, so these assets will also be available uh, for the REIT to acquire at the right time. Okay, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Cecilia Tan, CEO of Cessio REIT. Well, Cecilia, let's talk about uh, Cessio REIT's latest earnings figures. Uh, the REIT zone distribution per unit increased 1.5% on a yearly basis for the first quarter ended March. Now, that is the highest DPU recorded for Q1 since uh, Cessio REIT's listing, which uh, you attributed to strong sales performance. Outlet sales up some 17.9% on the year. To what extent was this within your expectations? Uh, I would say it actually exceeded our expectations. I'll tell you why. Uh, now, first quarter, if we look at um, pre-pandemic, 2019, uh, for the four outlets, we were doing about $1.2 billion in sales. Okay, uh, come uh, into the COVID years, okay, if you look at 2021, uh, because past the first COVID year of 2020, we did $1.14 billion. Okay, And in 2022, we did $1.1 billion. So, um, as you know, China only stopped their COVID controls uh, in December. So, when they stopped COVID controls, actually going into first quarter 2023, we were, we were a little bit uh, optimistic, but we were not sure how consumption could recover because of the fact that uh, when China stopped the COVID, uh, actually the whole country were down with high infection rates and we were told that nobody dared to go out of their homes. Okay, But what was quite surprising that, uh, you know, when we saw the sales ramp up, particularly near the Chinese New Year festival, that gave us a lot of confidence. And eventually when we saw the whole quarter, right, we ended up with 1.3 billion sales. It was even higher than the pre-COVID of one, uh, 2019 of 1.2 billion. Clearly, I think that's a combination of factors. Is one, uh, the Chinese new effect is clearly uh, very important. 
because Chinese New Year is, is the most important festive period for China naturally. Two, I think that also speaks about you know people being fatigued, right? Being cooped at home for almost a year. They need to have their retail therapy. And what more, they go shopping and you know they feel very happy buying discounted goods. Um, I think that definitely has uh, given us a lot of encouragement in terms of you know getting ready to receive back our consumers. Uh, you know, in the post-pandemic era. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about the degree of recovery in the Chinese tourism market. I understand you focus a lot on domestic travels, but um, as a player in this arena, in the retail arena, do you see any difference when it comes to international and domestic travel recovery? And how has your domestic travel recovery generated tangible outcomes for you, whether it is uh, occupancy rate or upward rental revisions? Okay, so going back to the basic proposition of how we position these outlets, they were never meant as the international tourism product. Quite different from, say, the outlets uh, in more developed countries where, uh, you know, quite a large proportion, they rely on international tourists. So I think fundamentally, it means that the basic consumer base is actually more sustainable and more resilient. Uh, in fact, right now, I can tell you, China hasn't really opened up totally to international travels. We still need to apply to visa when we go to China. So the fact that, uh, you know, the international tourists are not back to China actually has no impact on our business at all because that was never our target audience to start with. Uh, although I must say that uh, some of our outlets, uh, they do have tax-free regimes for international travelers. And that is, I would say, is more uh, like an add-on effect for those people who, uh, you know, in- international travelers who happen to come and shop at our outlets. So uh, I would say that the fact that the borders have not freely opened up at this point in time, uh, you know, it has no it has no material impact on us. But the recovery in domestic travel though, has that boosted uh, your rentals in terms of outward revisions or demand or occupancy rates? Because our outlets, our underlying lease structure is very, very different from the conventional lease structure that you will see in a typical uh, shopping centre. Right, in the typical shopping centre, be in Singapore or elsewhere, uh, landlords typically just take a fixed rent, a big, or a base rent plus some level of uh, turnover. But because of the outlet uh, business nature, we needed to be responding very quickly to market changes and to be able to tune our um, sort of tenant mix. Most of our leases uh, in China are turnover rent. So some don't even pay any base rent. Right, so we are driven by sales. Okay, so we are driven by sales, meaning to say we need to make sure we have uh, footfall. Not only that, the footfall needs to convert into actual buying. So um, all the outlets that we have, some rely more on domestic travelers, some less. So the ones, for example, are uh, Kunming. Okay, uh, Kunming among the four outlets that we have rely a bit more on. Uh, domestic travellers. Indeed, they were very, very uh, badly affected in 2022. But this trip, when I went back to Kuming to see the outlet, I feel the whole mood is very upbeat now. Um, And I begin to feel that the domestic travellers are coming back. So clearly, I think uh, that component, because people are now getting used to post-pandemic travel, you can see uh, in, in China, people actually don't wear masks anymore. So clearly that will help with a lot of domestic travels. And in fact, this trip, I also went to Xi'an. 
right? So I even took the opportunity to go to a lot of the popular local tourist places. It was packed with people. You know, so um, I think the domestic travels already started from the first May effect, you know, people going out in crowds. Uh, life is getting back to normal. So I think the key thing is uh, we welcome them back and hopefully we continue to run promotional activities that will stimulate Not to mention it's going to be the school holidays very soon in about a month or so. Let's wrap up the conversation, Cecilia, by talking about some of your future plans. It seems like Cecilia reads, you mentioned about uh, growth and more assets to come, right? Your gearing ratio remained low at, I believe, 25.7% in Q1 2023. Can we expect uh, Cecilia Reed to engage in more M&As to grow the company inorganically? And uh, what can we expect in the second half of this year? Yeah, definitely. I think for a week to sort of uh, grow in a big way, acquisitions is a very important step. So coming back to the gearing, I think we have always maintained a very prudent uh, approach to our capital management. In fact, I believe we are the lowest gear week. So I will always tell my investors we are the safest for you at this point in time. Because in terms of the absolute uh, you know, debt, is, is, is very, very manageable. But that also brings about the element of opportunity, meaning to say we have the opportunity to take on more debt as a headroom for our gearing. So yes, as I mentioned earlier, uh, right now the sponsor, uh, they still have two large-scale assets, one in Xi'an and one in Kuiyang. But to put things in perspective, you know, retail malls of these skills, uh, they are nothing like what you see in Singapore. Okay, Singapore uh, malls are dwarf uh, compared to what we see in China. Uh, most of our outlets, uh, they are by and large like the scale size of uh, Vivo City. Now, Vivo City is GFA about 1.5 million square feet. Okay, the Xi'an asset is about the size of a Vivo City. Okay, and then the Guiyang is 2 million square feet in GFA. Wow. So, uh, so these are very large assets. Definitely, uh, we are we have set our sights on some of these assets to acquire. But because these are very large assets. We really need to plan this very carefully because the requirement for capital mm. uh, is is much uh, higher, right? And right now, I would say um, the fundraise environment is still not entirely very conducive. Yeah. If you look at the overall uh, debt and capital markets, uh, mm. uh, I mean, if you look at the debt markets, they continue to suffer from you know high interest rate environment. And in in fact, I think the high interest rate is going to uh, stay there for a little while. But of course, uh, what we have as a saving grace, uh, in China, they have just recently uh, dropped their uh, lending rates by 10 basis points. So yeah. in a way, um, the, the, the Chinese debt environment is more conducive. But having said that, uh, my recent trip to China, having spoken to a lot of banks, they have also suggested that the, the lending environment continues to be one of cautious. So clearly, I think if we want to uh, pursue acquisition, we need to make sure uh, we get ready to be able to bring in capital in terms of uh, the quantum as well as the whole cost structure being uh, conducive for us to do that acquisition. Now, but that said, our baseline will always have to be our bread and butter in terms of our existing asset management. And this will be very important because it's post-pandemic, right? So we are all geared up. Uh, when I visited all the four outlets, all our general managers on the ground were really on the ball, right? Telling me about their plan for the year in terms of how they are gearing up to capture more and more of that uh, spending power as consumers uh, get used to 
normalizing their life post-pandemic. That was Cecilia Tan, CEO Cecilia Reed. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.